Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Jazz Orchestra leader Alan Chan. He grew up in Hong Kong, made his way to New York City, and now resides in the City of Angels. Since 2011, he's been the leader of his own orchestra, and his latest album is 2014's Shrimp Tale, and many more are going to come from him. He has spent his life as a resident in various parts of the world to raise awareness of current issues like environmental protection. He's got plenty of stories and the music to back it up. Dig this interview, my friends. Hey, Alan, again, thank you for taking some time out. It's an honor to speak with you. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Right on. So I'm going to go ahead and start off here, and I know that you're real good about putting your, your schedule and your dates and what's going on, but in your own words, talk to me about what's going on with you. Right now, I'm, uh, I am started teaching at El Camino College in Torrance uh, just about uh, two years ago and directing a big band, so I'm spending a little bit more time now uh, the, doing a, lot, a little bit more education and uh and this semester, I started teaching the uh, survey of jazz class. But on the other hand, I'm also working on a commission uh, right now at this moment uh, for the Symphonic Jazz Orchestra, uh, which is established by George Duke. It's a 67-piece uh, symphonic jazz uh, orchestra. And uh, so I'm working on this piece for their premiere uh, this coming uh, May, May 2017. Your latest album was 2014's Shrimp Tale. Correct. Yes. Correct. Yes. It's a great album. Talk to me a little bit about what went into this album and how you feel about it. Thank you. I would say it's quite magical. I didn't uh, anticipate a lot of the music was written between I think 2005, my very first jazz uh, big band composition, uh, to around 2012 when I wrote Rancho Calaveras. So that was that um, roughly eight or nine year period when I was uh, was studying at uh, University of Southern California, and then I went on and uh, moved uh, briefly to New York. I kind of was a bi-coastal person for a while because I was studying with Jim McNeely uh, in New York City, and so I wrote a lot of tunes while I was living in LA, and then part of the time in uh, New York, and I. Uh, so Shrintel is sort of like uh, the, the very, very first composition that I wrote. Uh, I was in L.A. at that time. And so I, I, I thought every piece, uh, every, every song in this uh, album is kind of like a little story because it's about uh, uh, different experiences that I had. Uh, I was traveling to Beijing in 2007 and uh, noticing the pol very bad pollution, air pollution there. And then I wrote uh, uh, Moving to a New Capital, and uh, I was briefly living in a uh, Altadena, uh, California, uh, in this uh, very beautiful home and organic garden. So I decided, oh, I'll write something like uh, Rancho Calaveras. Around 2013 is when I start to put together the, the concept of an album. So we pick some of the uh, pieces that I wrote and I decided, well, this, this narrative seems to kind of work very nicely with each other. I mean, each, each individual, it's kind of like a big uh, storybook, but then there's a little, um, you know, uh, episodes and uh, different uh, shorter stories, short stories. It's kind of like a compilation of short stories. Perfect. Let me ask you this. Where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Hong Kong, um, and uh, that was still under the British, uh, you know, before 1997, of course, that was the um, turnover to China afterwards. Uh, and uh, I, uh, there is a very small, almost like a, a small jazz scene there. Uh, there was a club called the Jazz Club, 
in Hong Kong, which I, I often would hang out. I was uh, studying classical uh, piano, you know, I was uh, when I was in high school, and uh, I already got into, you know, arranging a lot of the um, soundtracks or, or popular tunes for school uh, ensembles. We didn't really have a um, music program per se. I'm sort of kind of putting whoever has the skills of playing instruments and put them together, so it's a kind of a weird mixture of different kinds of people and instruments, but then I figured out a way to uh, kind of arrange what, whatever that I, uh, in my profession, so I try to, try to uh, put together, sometimes it's like uh, two flutes and, and uh, uh, bass drum and piano, lots of pianists, and then all of a sudden there is an oboe, and so I have to figure something out, and that is sort of how I become very aware of my ear in terms of uh, finding out my uh, uh, colors and exploring possibilities to uh in and you it shows in the album um the uh, the color palette that I, I i i use in this album right on well let me ask you about your childhood and about growing up up in hong kong how did you get involved with jazz initially and were there albums or performances you saw how did that happen it was a very different time in it was in the 90s so i grew up in the 90s and um we were exposed to mostly in hanging out in uh, record stores. I, 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 it was like, uh, I, we have a uh, couple of major brand names like Tower Records and HMV. And I think we even have a Virgin Mega store at one point. And so there is always the, you know, the classical session and they usually, they combine usually the classical and jazz together. <laughs> so I was a classical, I was really into music uh, of uh, Gustav Mahler. And, uh, of course, all the symphonic, uh, uh, composers, Brahms, et cetera. And then I would pass by all these uh, jazz CDs. You know, I'm always curious about them. And, uh, and so I started, um, listening to, uh, just basically compilations of, of different, like, uh, classics, you know, uh, uh, Duke Ellington, uh, Louis Armstrong, and then the newer, newer ones like Weather Report, et cetera. And uh, and then I kind of get into the uh, the sound of it, and we have some uh, jazz venues in Hong Kong, so I was also able to kind of absorb a little bit of that. But it wasn't until I moved to the United States, uh, I studied in at the University of Miami, where I actually uh, got really inspired, uh, especially uh, big band jazz. When did you know that you were going to get involved with jazz? Was it something that you New early on, or did it develop over time? It developed over over time. I would say it's kind of. I decided for some reason I decided to go to. Uh, I, I attended American universities and I, I did my master's degree, doctoral degree, all in classical composition. I have uh, always the the desire of writing uh, jazz, but I wasn't really entirely sure. Um, I kind of took you know jazz piano lessons. And, uh, listen to a lot of CD. I have a huge collection. A lot of, I have good friends that, um, uh, recommend me a lot of different things. Uh, uh, sometimes a little bit weird things like, uh, Uwe Kane, uh, uh, sometimes, uh, Butch Morris, you know, <laughs> a variety of different kind of styles. And I was all really, I was really drawn into them. I thought I would just, my career path would be just writing classical music. That's for a very, very long time. Until about, actually, that is like 2005, I uh, was at USC and studying, and uh, I met Shelley Burke, um, pianist and composer. Uh, he really encouraged me to, you know, dive into um, uh, writing 
and uh, I, I that just just kind of happened. Um, when I was in University of Miami, you know, I listened to it's one of the best jazz programs in the country. I listened to a lot of big band jazz, and I also took a year, you know, of jazz arranging there. So that also kind of uh, started that um, seed a little bit, and and it just gradually grows. And 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 2005 was the year that all just came came to life. But what was it about arranging? You know, the piano is kind of a solitary, to to a good degree, instrument. Mm-hmm. But you wanted to get involved with the big band and the arranging. I mean, that's a pretty big undertaking. What was so alluring about that for you? I listen to a lot of, you know, big band albums. I feel that there's a lot of potential in big band. Although you, we would think jazz big band is kind of a thing of the past. It's not really fashionable. It's too expensive. It's too... Uh, uh, but uh, I really uh, enjoy um, writing for this big kind of animal <laughs> and try to explore, you know, all these little little things that we have not yet explored. There's a lot of expressions, both, of course, there were uh, composers that I listened to, like uh, Maria Schneider uh, and uh, Jim McNeely and so forth. There's still a lot to do. We can do a lot of things of it. So that really is what I drives me to kind of dive into writing for big band. I really enjoy working with a lot of people. <laughs> I often tell uh, my students that I'm not really good at, uh, you know, remembering names and so forth. But every show, you know, we put a big band together. There's some uh, regular members and sometimes we have uh, substitutes. But when I listen to each individual perform, I immediately know who they are. Like I can, like I finally have a context and connect with many musicians all at the same time. So it was really, uh, to me, it's a, it's a joy. So the orchestra comes together in 2011. Talk to me about the beginnings and the evolution to today. Uh, as you know, I, I was in New York a lot at that time. I was attending the BMI Jazz Composers Workshop, and uh, that usually takes me um, usually about two or three weeks and every other month that I would basically travel to to New York. And I was just freelancers and, and doing a lot of copying jobs, etc. Uh, I decided maybe I would start something in L.A. because I do have a lot of friends who is in the big band scene. Uh, I then attended, you know, I, and I, I talked to a few people and said, well, yes, let's do it. And I curate a concert series at a church in West L.A. And that's where we find our first venue is to, to do it uh, there. We have a, a kind of a boutique concert series. And so we put the, the band together in May 2011 and kind of test it out and see see what happens. And that's how, how we began. Over time, you have done some work for motion pictures and TV shows, and you guys have had a lot of action. Talk to me a little bit about, about the projects you've worked on. There are, um, uh, of course, independent uh, films uh, that I have done when I was um, mostly around the time when I was at USC. Uh, and then... Um, Right now, I am mostly doing, uh, of course, focusing on my uh, big band and working and collaborating with uh, soloists, uh, especially um, uh, I started a project called Camo Walk um, just uh, this year, uh, and potentially also with a, uh, 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 a Chinese lute player, Ming Xiaofen, in New York City. Uh, I am always interested in, of course, uh, collaborating with uh, filmmakers uh, as well as poets, um, I would have to say I actually have done a lot more uh, collaboration with um, uh, artists uh, than, say, uh, in the movie industry. 
Uh, I really uh, interested in, of course, the the inspiration coming from poetry and literature. And so uh, you 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 may see that one two of my songs from the Shrimtail um, Monte Albano Solita is actually um, narrate narrations, which is kind of unusual for big band. But I I kind of said, well, maybe we can try something different. And this is kind of a neat. Uh, I think I think that was a really neat uh, project. We we started that you know um, uh, the band of course at the uh, first at the church and then. About 2012, we start um, performing outside, uh, uh, especially um, uh, jazz jazz clubs around town, including Typhoon and Vitello's and uh, Catalina. Uh, it's very sad that actually uh, Typhoon uh, just closed the, their doors this week. <laughs> um, so it's a great loss to the big band scene, but I think the, I feel very thankful to the people who have been supporting my music in the last couple of years. So let me ask you this. You've been a resident around the world in various areas, and you like to raise the awareness for issues like environmental protection. Talk to me about where you've lived and what has made you want to be environmentally conscious. I lived in Los Angeles. Uh, I kind of slowly, uh, in, of course, uh, learning about uh, climate change and, and all that, uh, through the media, but also um, I have friends, uh, particularly this friend who actually the owner of Rancho Calaveras, uh, he has a solar uh, service um, a company, and so he put on panels and provide, you know, electricity and hot water, etc. And I'm learning a lot more about that part, how to, you know, conserve energy. I have to say, I'm still driving my very, very old Camry <laughs> at the moment, uh, but I'm really uh, interested to, you know, move to perhaps an electric vehicle in, in, in the future. I have to say, I grew up in the urban area, so I, I'm the, in first hand, you know, knowing the, uh, the effect of air pollution. Also, you know, both in Hong Kong and especially Hong Kong, because uh, Hong Kong is very highly developed uh, commercial city. Perhaps in the 90s or the, the last uh, six, seven years, there is also pollution coming from China. Basically, air blowing from factories. Uh, right at us. So we realized, you know, that there is a lot we, we have to do. Um, and sometimes, uh, my experience, uh, that, uh, in this case in Beijing, uh, that really inspires me to, to write something. And I kind of like the, the idea a little bit unexpected, but, uh, I brought in a little bit of this, um, kind of a sound of ancient China. We don't really know how ancient Chinese music sounds like, but, um, but there are some traits that I found, uh, for example, in Japanese um, uh, court uh, music, imperial court music. That uh, so you hear that really shimmering uh, sound uh, from the piccolo and flute, and the kind of these two melodies kind of echoing each other. This is a very, um, to me, a sound of very ancient. So I thought I felt like I kind of just opposed that idea with something really bombastic, uh, groove-based, uh, big band jazz. And so that's how the tune was put together. You've won awards over, over your life. You were the winner of the 2011 RGZ International Jazz Competition. You've gotten fellowships from ASCAP, and you've been hired to your, – your works have been performed by other outfits. What surprised you the most? Not your favorite commission or your favorite award, but what one really kind of threw you off guard? That's a very good question. I hmm. would have to say the George Duke Commission was a real surprise. Of course, I, I, I uh, uh, Symphonic Jazz Orchestra has a, has quite of a, a panel of um, musicians that judge this competition, including Bob Minzer, Billy Charles, um, 
and uh, Peter Erskine, etc. Um, and uh, I felt that it was really a recognition to me because I, I wasn't, uh, you know, I, I tried my own way of writing Big Band Jazz. Uh, I wasn't really sure how other people feel about it, but um, when I was given this commission, I was uh, really uh, happy that I my, what I've been trying to do uh, was really um, uh, was recognized by 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 the judges. Um, at Art Easy as well, Art Easy actually uh, was my very first um, performance of my music outside of, of the U.S. And uh, it was in Enza Day in Netherlands. And they have this jazz festival, which my piece was uh, performed and they were judged by a panel. Um, and, and so I was really uh, surprised that that piece was actually uh, inspired by the uh, my life uh, my in New York. I have a little portable bicycle that I keep. Uh, uh, so I've been, you know, while I was living in New York, I, I really take advantage of the bicycle. So you hear that clicking sound, ticka, 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 ticka in the piece. And that's really is the, uh, from the bicycle sound. Yeah. And uh, have a little bit of a positive tone. And I think the audience also really liked the piece. And so I was uh, really thrilled uh, that I received that uh, award. Right on. Well, speaking of getting around, you have roots here in Kansas City. Talk to me about your time at UMKC, Bobby Watson, and kind of your recollection of your time in Kansas City. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> um, I um, actually came and studied. That was my master's degree. And I also have to say I did a lot of things that I did not expect that I would be doing. Of course, I studied with uh, Chen Yi. She is the uh, Chinese-American uh, composer. At that time, I was really trying to see what I can do as a composer, maybe bringing in different cultures together in my music. Uh, and so I decided to come and study. Uh, and uh, I had no idea. I ended up, you know, of course, uh, exploring a lot of exciting uh, things happening in uh, what at that time in Kansas City, including attending um, my uh, first uh, burlesque show. <laughs> uh, which is in 2000, I think, I think it was 2004. And that was just not a, what we think about burlesque being street teasing, but uh, actually it was a very, very artsy kind of form of um, uh, burlesque at that time. Uh, a lot of the cultural um, fashion designers and artists came to this one-time show in, the, um, I think it was Kansas City, Kansas, just right at the border state line, yeah. um, not far from the, the industrial district. And I was just eyed open to see, you know, how, you know, how creative we can get. I mean, there's humor, there is GPs, but there is also fashions and a lot of interesting um, little skits and stories. And uh, I also studied uh, gamelan, Balinese gamelan music, while I was in Kansas City. Cool. And that was really also a uh, eye-opening experience, especially knowing that you can actually, you know, learn everything uh, a, a three three minute melody all by ear without any reading any music. You just basically learn it from a teacher. The teacher tells you there's an oral tradition kind of um, way of uh, communicating in this kind of form of music. In general, of course, uh, gamelan is also orchestral music, so that also kind of reinforce my um, my uh, understanding of uh, how to handle a, a large ensemble such as a big band. Let me ask you this. You know, the one thing about Kansas City is we have 18th and Vine that have a lot of history. So I want to ask you this. If you could get into a time machine and go see a show 
any show anywhere, where would you go? Who would you want to see? I would totally go to uh, – if I could see, you know, uh, Count Basie in his early times in, in Kansas City, I would totally want to go go to that, you know. Uh, I know that there's a jazz district. They, they revitalized it at that time. And I, I, I would very much like to, you know, try um, not only going to there to see jazz, but also, you know, the barbecues nearby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and uh, that, that's always uh, – uh, it was a very different time, though. I can imagine sometimes seeing all these older buildings and what we would like you know back that at those days and uh probably a lot more traffic and <laughs> a lot more uh people at that time absolutely without a doubt so let me ask you this everybody has a version of who you are your family your friends the fans you play for but who do you think you are when you wake up and face the world who are you i just want to be you know absorbing everything exciting things happening around me and try to reflect on them and putting them on music paper. <laughs> That's what I was, what always wanted to do. I've been to, uh, of course, many other cities, but also in the artist residencies. Uh, actually, uh, recently I was in uh, uh, Denali a National Park in uh, Alaska. And uh, a very, very different world, I have to say. And um, I, uh, it was the summertime as well, so the day was very, very long. Uh, I have to kind of pull on my blind when I go to to, to sleep. But uh, when I wake up, you know, it's just like this is a really magical world, and I really want to go out there, uh, hike and absorb and smell and feel and see what's going on. And I will come back to my little desk and try to reflect on that and try to uh, create um, a musical piece that will perhaps inspire people to go out and um uh, absorb our, our surroundings. Final question for you. Why do you love jazz? It is the freedom, really. That's the very first thing, I think, the freedom, the boldness, um, the hope, and also it's just a lot of, it brings in a lot of people together. If you think about jazz, the evolution of jazz, it's always been um, absorbing a lot of different cultures, Latin jazz, Brazilian jazz, uh, even European now really dig into jazz and Japanese. And I think some, very soon China will be one of those places where we'll, we'll, we'll see a lot of growth in people wanting to listen and yearning for this uh, form because, you know, it's really uh, shows, you know, the, the freedom of expression through improvisation, but also just how diverse and how uh, how difficult to define what jazz is, as you know. And but it's you know everybody can come in in different directions and try to understand in a different angle and I think that's the openness of jazz is why I think it's most amazing. That's a great way to kind of wrap everything up, Alan. Thank you for taking some time out and giving me your story and for your music. Thank you so much, Joe. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, L.A., and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Alan for his time and his stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store or visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.